everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Food and Beverage Insights, Imbibe's podcast on food and beverage trends. For those of you less familiar with Imbibe, we function as either a bolt-on R&D arm or an extension of your R&D team. Our beverage scientists and flavor chemists work in tandem to bring beverage concepts to life expertly and expeditiously. We're untethered from any particular manufacturing process, which gives us the flexibility to work on every beverage type and application, and we do. We work with food service and retail brands on sports nutrition, plant-based, dairy, nitro, juice, CSDs, energy drinks, waters, coffee, tea, and everything in between. Since we're able to leverage learnings from active projects in the lab to make predictions as to where the beverage market is headed, we decided to share some of those and other insights with you via this podcast. From Imbibe's marketing team, I'm Ilana Orlovsky, and today I'm going to talk to you about sugar reduction, or at least the primary factors that we've identified as drivers influencing product reformulation and the introduction of new, lower, and no sugar products to the market. While there's some overlap amongst these drivers, I'll speak a little on each of the following. Health and wellness, changes to the nutrition facts panel, cleaner labels, sugar taxes, and the rise of keto. Though the definition of health and wellness continues to evolve, there's a lot of data and innovation to support that this is top of mind for consumers across generations. A moving target, of course, can be hard to formulate for, and a recent report by Technomic underscores the dynamism of this tenet with a stat that says, 40% of consumers reported that their own definition of healthy has changed in the past two years. Regardless of whether healthy means low calorie, healthy fats, low carbs, all natural ingredients, organic or high protein to you, there is general consensus that overconsumption of sugar can contribute to a myriad of ailments. According to Mintel, 67% of parents think sugar is unhealthy for their children and say no to products that their kids ask for because of the sugar content. In a 2018 survey conducted by Deloitte, 70% of companies, which included big ones like Dole, Kellogg's, General Mills, and Unilever, had reported that they had already reformulated the salt and or sugar content in their products to better align with health and wellness policies which is a perfect segue into the impending changes to the Nutrition Facts panel, which was initially scheduled for January 1st, 2020 for businesses with over $10 million in revenue and January 1st, 2021 for smaller businesses, though I imagine enforcing compliance will be postponed due to the coronavirus pandemic. Once things normalize a bit though, the approved changes will be enacted, the most notable of which is the added visibility into added sugars with a percentage on the other side of that line item. I've seen some nutrition facts panels get ahead of this and even include separate lines for the different types of sweeteners, even non-nutritive sweeteners, to reinforce their commitment to transparency and the inclusion of simply less sugar. Some consumer behavior may not change, but when others are confronted with the fact that the 12 ounce can or bottle in their hands contains 70% of the recommended daily allotment of added sugar, they may opt for another satisfying option. And while someone is taking note of the updated nutrition facts panel, 
I'd imagine that said person may also be reviewing the ingredient statement, which would align with many consumers' behavior, especially those influenced by cleaner labels. Sure, sugar isn't necessarily a blacklisted ingredient. Its familiarity and pronounceability might even catapult it to the beginning of a shorter list of ingredients, or near the front at least, but there are other sugar-like ingredients that may not be as decipherable to consumers. Those ingredients in particular are likely to keep being pulled out of formulations. Ingredients like high fructose corn syrup, crystalline fructose, dextrose, and cane juice. They might be replaced by more naturally positioned sweeteners like maple syrup, date syrup, and agave nectar. Though, it's true, those ingredients wouldn't necessarily impact the sugar content. A more likely outcome is that sugar will be replaced by stevia and monk fruit in more products, which will continue to give the perception that they're better options than traditional sugar. There have also been some attempts at curbing consumption of sweetened beverages, the most notable of which is the sugar tax, which has been attempted in several regions across the globe. In Cook County, where I am though, in Chicago, the tax of an extra one or one and a half cents per fluid ounces didn't stick. I will say there have been varying levels of success in other areas. Some recent data from Britain states that since they implemented their tax in 2017, there's been a 28.8% decrease in the amount of sugar in beverages, though the same article highlighted that some manufacturers are putting more sugar in other typically sweet products like candy, chocolate, and ice cream, and other confections. And the impact of that means that sugar intake actually increased from 2015 to 2018. I will say Berkeley out in California is a success story of sorts and they have seen a 20% decline in soda consumption since their tax was enacted, but overall the jury is sort of still out on if this tax will hold and will actually contribute to the reduction of sugar consumption. Because this tax would also apply to calorie-free products with sugar substitutes, it's safe to say that this isn't going to have the biggest influence when it comes to why brands should reformulate. The last factor that supports the sustained demand for sugar reduction is the rise of keto, or what I call a slightly misunderstood and sexier version of Atkins. Though the keto diet was initially designed to be used in medicine to treat patients with seizure disorders that were unresponsive to medication, somehow it's seeped into our collective understanding what healthy might mean for the mainstream consumer. The premise is essentially to eat a low-carb diet. The typical recommendation is that 60 to 75% of your diet comes from fat, 20 to 35% from protein, and no more than 5% comes from carbs. Because of the sort of standard understanding that keto-friendly products are low sugar and low in carbs, many people who aren't willing to fully commit to that diet may still opt for keto-friendly products. 50% of American adults said that losing weight is a top priority, according to the NPD group, and we expect that products that want to appeal to half of the American population, or really likely more, will be formulated with little to no sugar to guarantee resonance. At Imbibe, we've been developing keto-friendly, no and low sugar drinks at an increased rate, but definitely have room in our lab for more. If you're looking to have a positive impact on public health or need support in swapping out sugar with a suitable alternative without compromising sweetness, 
We have several tools and an entire team to devote to your concept. Get in touch by emailing us at thedrinktank at imbibeinc.com and check out our website, imbibeinc.com, to keep the conversation going or to subscribe to Trendspotting to stay up to date on food and beverage trends. Until next time, keep imbibing. Thank you.